0: It is indeed, and our job is uh, to not just only articulate life, but to also find ways to be able to transform it. And of course, Uluwazi, so to be able to do that. And uh, this evening is certainly no different. And uh, I guess, uh, yeah, on social media, social media was a buzz last night. Uh, at the tail end of our discussions as uh, we uh, spoke to lecturer in the Department of History at the University of Zululand, uh, Meshala who's also the author of Mlandun Obkawabga Zulu, uh, Zulu Empire Decolonized. And um, so we thought, you know, let's uh, uh, check in again with uh, Umambata uh, to uh, not only this time talk around, talk around uh, you know, paying tribute to Isilo Samabandla, but to effectively unpack and uncover uh, the process that gave rise to her piece of work with uh, Zulu, and uh, I guess uh, the fascinating stories that she was able to encounter and uh, uh, the dispelling of the myths in our history about uh, who we are and where it is that we come from. So she joins us this evening and she is our thought leader. And, uh, you know, uh, Mum, but I don't have to reintroduce you again because now, <laughs> you know, you, 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 are, you are a regular here. Uh, <laughs> so, so, I think what we must do is to maybe start off, uh, and maybe I can tell you what happened after we spoke yesterday. So, right. we, okay. we were talking about the history of, um, you know, uh, Amazulu as a specific branch, I guess, of uh, Amanguni. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people were fascinated by, you know, how you recounted how, you know, Umnombo Amazulu is sitting in so many different places or, you know, people who come from that lineage are sitting in so many different places, be it in Tanzania, in Zambia, in Zimbabwe, in Sudan, you know, uh, uh, right through to Kenya and many other places. Uh, and that then triggered its own conversation where a lot of people, you know, were, I guess, are trying to connect this to uh, many of the debates that we continuously have in this country um, about who's a foreigner and maybe who isn't and uh, everything that comes with that. So this evening, I want us to to kick things off on that point. Um, because I guess yesterday we were raising it in the context of, um, you know, the greatness of Uking, Goodwill, Zulu, Tini, But uh, today I want us maybe to, to talk about it briefly within the ethnographic and historic study you've undertaken uh, that gave rise uh, to your work, Uzulu Umlando nobkawebka, Zulu. Talk to us about that. I mean, th- this idea of migration as a central part of our experience and how that influenced how we organized ourselves socially, economically, and even geopolitically, I mean, in context of war.
1: You know, thank you so much. And um yeah, I enjoy talking about this because I've spent many, many years mm. um, researching it. And about we enjoy
0: hearing about it.
1: Yes, yeah, and also, I'm, I was just so fascinated. Ever well, the story
0: was waiting for you, clearly. So <laughs> so I think, um you know, whenever you ask yourself that, you must know uh, that uh, the responsibility then is on your shoulders. <laughs>
1: I guess so, you know mm, when mm. he took over the Zulu, a very small tiny kingdom, but he because he grew up under them Tetwa, and he realized that King Timiswayo was a visionary mm. who spent many hours grooming him to say, Do not only just look after your own you know your own group, you must make sure that you look at your neighbors and take care of them. so King Saga used to watch the people the way you know the wars were were done those days, you know. You'd fight a little bit, and if you lose, and then it's all over. And he says, no, I don't believe that when you fight with somebody, you must let them go, the pay, then and then it's all over. When you fight with somebody, you defeat them, then they must bow to you for life, mm. you know? And in that way, you, that's how you grow the empire, you know? And that's what he did. He defeated them one by one. And some of them, he didn't even bother to defeat them. He just sent word and said, listen, do you want to be under me or must we fight? Now, if you think you can take him on, you say, sure, let's have, let, let's have a fight. And then, for instance, Vendwandri mm. and uh, uh, Igo Suzri, very ferocious fighters, very brave people. I mean, they're not been born with spears in their hands. That's how good they were, you know? Mm. Mm. And um, he, he fought his very first war of empire building was with Vendwandri. The first one was fought in 1818. Mm. And the Zulu were probably, what, maybe 600? Sure. Soldiers that he had only. And then Duan were like four times the size. Because then Duane and the and the title the, the biggest, you know, of the kingdom. Mm. There's other, you know, kingdoms under them. But Kim Shaka was so brave, man, he just took them on. He's like, look, I got this. After developing his war strategy, in, you know, the pincer movement where sure. whereby you had the head, we had the you know, the the, the chest and you had the horn which was a way of attacking, mm. you know, because he spent many, many years training by the sea sure. and watching how the, the waves move. And he realized, if you first attack, you in know, he's the ones that mm. are not really, really, really experienced. Mm. You know, he let them fight for a little bit, and then those were usually much younger. You know, mm. that maybe first time in, in combat. And then they must crouch. And then the ones who are experienced will then jump over them mm. and continue engaging the enemy. Sure. Now, if the enemy, remember, it means the enemy doesn't rest when the Zulu have already... Those who have crouched are taking a break. Mm. And then they realize it's all too much. The enemy will trying to cheat, right? And But then they'll find the horns waiting for them. And then they encircle them and it's all over. Do you understand? Shalo,
0: so, I, I want us to pause here for a second. Uh, because I think when we start to talk about war, I want us... Uh, to take a brief break and uh, take a spot break when we come back, uh, I want you to unpack for us the you know uh, strategic advisors of Ushaga and uh, what many would call maybe his military council. Um, okay. and uh, let's uh, dispel some myths around that because you okay. know, I think uh, I, I was saying earlier on to uh, my colleagues, uh, Robert Marawa, no, no, Chastais, uh, that uh, I guess uh, the SABC's. Uh, A Shaga uh, with um, Shaga Zulu with uh, Henry Tele also, I guess, in many ways, uh, planted a certain idea of what was happening at that time. And I think there are some myths there that uh, require some dispelling as well. And we'll do that when we come back. 23 minutes it is after 8 p.m. It's our Thought Leader Thursday segment here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, this evening, our Thought Leader is Shalom Bata, lecturer at the Department of History at the University of Zululand and the author of Uzulu, Gazulu, And uh, we're speaking to her about uh, her uh, expansive uh, work here, uh, looking at uh, the uh, history and the organization of life, uh, both in prehistoric times and, I guess, uh, during the onset of a colonial invasion. Uh, in the life of uh, the Amazulu people. And uh, before we went to the break, Shalom, we were talking about, um, you know, the the war tactics and strategy of uh, elembe And uh, I guess there's, there's the other question, which was around, you know, what kind of counsel did he receive, um, you know, to even motivate uh, the shift to go to war against certain clans and nations. Um, and uh, I found it quite interesting that uh, your work uh, clearly indicates that he had a council... Uh, of women and it was women yes, who uh, yes, he, you know would advise him as his military council
1: yes he did and these were all the royal women mm. meaning the aunts the the you know like just the senior women sure. and the mapotis the ones the brides who were already past the menopausal age mm. then mm. they qualified to sit in the military council of the women and others actually would sit also in the council together with the men and king Shara's idea was that um, for a woman to be able to sit in the King's Council, uh, they had to be post-menopausal, you see, because they were no more governed by unreliable emotions. Mm. Huh? <laughs> you know? And just to give you a quick rundown of the major generals that used to advise King Shaga, it was a it was it was umkazini, unkasokunu, nundlela Those were his generals. Those were the people that sat around the, you know, the table and used to plan with them, sure, you know, sure. even though he was better than the rest and taller than all of them, but these were his major generals. Mm-hmm. The point I was trying to make with the wars and how they fought them is because as, when the, the military might and the strategies that he put together, the other people who refused to be subjugated by him, they literally ran away. I was talking about the Nguanli. when he first. There was a stalemate with the First War in 1818. Mm. And at a later stage, when they was fought again a few years later, the Ndwande couldn't handle that. They saw King Shara growing up as a young man. Mm. So they felt, you know, this, this boy cannot come and tell us what to do. After all, we're famous, was in Ndwande. So they decided to leave in about 16 um, divisions. They ran north, literally, with King Shara hot on their heels, you know. Then when they and they went, went to in Mozambique, today's huh? Mozambique. Mm, they went to Mozambique. Yes, they went to Mozambique, and then the major general that who was who was leading those sixteen divisions that left uh, the regiment was uh, mm, mm. And um, that is why today you find that you got all the Zulu names. Let us start with the, our closest neighbor, Mozambique. Mm, That's true. That's you true. know yeah. their names: Avumbuso, Abobani, They got Zulu names. Now, um, mm, that's true. Um, Tembo, mm. Oba, um, you know, but it's because they became they came from Zululand, you know. Mm. And then when they go to when U, 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 Uzwede ran to Mozambique, he then formed his own kingdom, and everything the way he built it, and way he ran it, and you know, he also also you know, subjugated the clans and the kingdoms that he found in Mozambique, mm. and taught them to fight like the Zulu, and they just grew, and they also now went further north, you know. Sure. They went to uh, Malawi. You know, they went to Kenya, they yep. went to Tanzania, and then there yeah. they were called either Amachaga or Rabengoni, you know, yeah, st- Amangoni, go Amangoni, Amangoni. Yeah. some yeah. variations. Some you know, up, and then the ones that live in Lake Victoria, mm. they call themselves Amachaga. Mm. And then also in, Mos- in, in in Tanzania, you have people that are sending me even on the west in, in, yes. Um, yes, in Zambia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Their first, their first fighter pilot woman. Her first name is Tawosi. Mm.
0: There's actually a who? fellow who uh, heads up the ILO in uh, West Africa. His surname is Zulu. He's from Zambia. Exactly. Uh, because mm, yes,
1: these yeah. are all King Shaka's uh, soldiers. They went. And the King Saga, the way he used to put, put it, he'd explain it by saying, mm. you know, under, under the shade. But basically, it was a commonwealth, initially. Sure, sure. But when, they, when King Ziligas Ziliga ran away with his cows <laughs> and he went over as far as Lake Victoria, yeah. he then decided, you know what, this commonwealth and being nice is not working because I'm losing soldiers. Mm. So from now on, it's an empire. Nobody can breathe without talking to me first. Sure, sure. And I guess, and then, you know, you, you know, Sh- Shalo, I mean,
0: I think that's a big part of what really got people interested yesterday. I mean, this this imperial telling of that history, because, you know, in effect, when we think about empire, we often just think about those that have been imposed by, you know, a small island uh, in a very cold part of the world. Yeah, in the West, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Rather than, you know, even our own projects of state formation and empire building here. I want us to maybe touch just on the process of putting a book like this together. I mean, uh, some fascinating experiences you had in the data gathering process. Uh, you had to mine the archive. You had to go to some of these places. Uh, you know, you had to sleep in some of the areas where many of these great battles and many of these great milestones um, in the state formation process of uh, the Zulu people had uh, unfolded. Yes, it
1: was fascinating. I I just fed in you know, the Zulu and South Africans all over again, you know. People were so kind. And then at the end, when I was about to leave, they'll say to me, you No, know, why? Who sent you to come here? But after having answered my many questions, mm. and I'll say, No, I'm just collecting information because I want to write a book. And they'd say, No, we're very happy that at least one of us is doing this because most of the time in the past, white people used to come and mm. interview us. And then, but whenever we read what they'd written, we'd be far from what they'd said. You know, that gave me a lot of hope and encouragement to continue,
0: you know? Mm, mm. It also raises something else. Uh, we saw over the last day or so, I mean, all of the cultural rights of the royal family, uh, uh, you know, uh, being shrouded in a lot of secrecy uh, and maybe some people sitting outside of it might see it as secrecy, uh, but, um, you know, people close to it might say, salapa uh, um, and many have argued, um, you know, uh, that uh, effectively we should have You know, we missed out on an opportunity to document some of that, to record it for posterity and effectively not only have oral history as the single, uh, I guess, framework within which we're able to transmit our stories from one generation to the next. What's your view on that?
1: Look, I feel vindicated. I still vindicated all the years I spent because it's, there are times when I wanted to give up and think Africa. So it's not purely about the Zulu. Mm. I talk about how we touch sides with to the Basutu, how we touch sides with to the Kosa, how we touch sides with the Batembu, sure, you know? Sure. Even the Khoisan, you know, I don't know what the correct name is now, you know? How we touch sides with the Afrikaners mm. and the British, you know? Mm. And the relationship that we, we developed with the different kings, even though it changed much later in 1948. But tied to that, you know, like I said yesterday, people, when they came, they behaved and they, they were Zulu subjects. Ah, ah. You know, I mean, you can take even up to King Kajwayo's time. I mean, I mean, there's a story you, of
0: Finn, right? I mean, if I think about just the story of Finn and how, you know, that was uh, an identity formation process that was a bit different to how the history is
1: told. No, absolutely. Hmm. No, total, absolutely. I mean, like I'm saying, King Kajwayo, he also continued what King Shaka had done by forming a, a Zulu-Bedi combined force to fight against Afrikaners in the in the Transvaal mm. at that time. So it was part of that nation building and social cohesion that sure. King Shaka put into effect, you know. Mm. So um, his, the current, he was doing what his forefathers had, had been doing. Sure, sure, sure.
0: Sharlo, last one on my end. It's quite unfortunate we have run out of time. I mean, we, we could have a conversation like this, uh, you know, for a very long time. And I think, uh, you must uh, also help us, uh, you know, uh, with uh, the contacts you have in the world of film and elsewhere, uh, to put s- stories like this on even all manner of mediums, so that uh, we can be able to access it and young people can access it as well. Just a last one for the benefit of our listeners: some of your learnings in your research process around the issue of polygamy is
1: You don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Istanbul works. <laughs> Is 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 an economic formation. Mm. it's it just got a very B, a bad PR. But from my research and having seen and lived with people, Basala is changing if it's done properly. okay? Because it's just we don't have a lot of time. Mm. But is Tembu is not a space where women are supposed to be fighting. And remember, nobody forces the other woman to be a, a co-wife. Mm. So it is a good thing for social stability. I personally think it's okay. Mm, mm, Okay. Hmm. And another thing before we go, may I kindly, humbly request that other language groups must do what I've done to write history from their own language and from their own perspective. That will take us somewhere. Imagine all the South African, you know, indigenous languages we wrote our history like i did mm. and then we put it all together it's going to give us a very very rich history as black south rich africans argument. you what know because the Africana history is there and the english who came to south africa the history is there mm. ours is a very big gap in the market sure. you know the information is not there i really appreciate it if people would do that and i'll assist if they ask me to. shalom
0: Bata, thank you very much for your time we really really appreciate it And uh, we wish you strength because, uh, of course, this is not the last story we hope you will unravel. But uh, you'll continue to tell uh, even micro-stories that emerge in the broader story of uh, uh, the people of this part of the world. Thank you very much for your time.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much. Shalom Bata there is uh, a lecturer in the Department of History at the University of Zululand and uh, author. Uh, speaking to us uh, this evening, yeah, the author of a book uh, called uh, Zulu, uh, umlando Nobukawebga Zulu, uh, whose foreword was written by Silo uh, uh who is, uh, uh, I guess, uh, being, uh, or who was laid to uh, arrest and uh, who we continue to pay tribute to. And yeah, if you're shocked or, or taken aback by that comment there then, that uh, polygamy, I guess, was an economic arrangement, Uh, you might maybe want to go and unpack some of the literature uh, around the economics of marriage. Because uh, really, I guess even in the canon of uh, the Western intellectual tradition, uh, a lot of people have uh, theorized and spoken of marriage as an economic institution and uh, I guess uh, the historic uh, context within which it develops. So uh, always uh, important for us to unpack these uh, issues on our Thought Leader Thursday.